Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Ashkin in Los Angeles, California, with Roy Cole in Jersey City, New Jersey, and Derek Kessler in Yokohama, Japan. And this is the podcast, Cast and Pods, Coast to Coast to Coast. That's got to be the, the worst one I've thought of so far, actually. Unfortunately, Derek couldn't join us today, so uh, instead we have comic book and film enthusiast Drew with us. Hi, Drew. How are you? I'm, I'm well. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Pleasure to be here. That is great. Uh, thanks, the pleasure for being here. <laughs> the pleasure is all ours, I'm sure. Or the pleasure is mutual. And, mutual and pleasure. I am also, like Jeff, uh, broadcasting from Los Angeles County, is, specifically. Yes. But today we are we are uh, bi-coastal, and the coast that Drew coast. and I are representing, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would have never worked so hard on that coast-to-coast-to-coast coast coast logo if I knew that <laughs> we were just going to be coast-to-coast. Coast. There's so many logos I could have just stolen for that one. Yeah, well, oh well, too bad. But at least we have, at least we have two coasts, and then two out of three ain't bad. Uh, <laughs> two out of the three coasts in the world. <laughs> That's right. There's only there's only three, and we have two. So, well, you know. well, to be fair, we'll probably be discussing the third by the yes. end of the podcast. That is true. That's, That's true. right. We're going to represent. All right. So, anything want anyone want to talk about? Anything happened to us this week? Anything hot happened, Drew? <laughs> yeah, I uh, <laughs> for all for anyone who's ever wondered what watching your own skin melting looks like that that had that question has been answered for me. Uh, I was baking, which I have something I'm not used to doing. So of course I have like, you know, seven year old butterfingers, uh, level of experience. And, uh, the, uh, the baking pan was scooting around like the silver surfer. So I tried to grab it while holding the, uh, oven door, uh, open at a 90 degree angle. Uh, and by the way, FYI, when you're a full grown adult, uh, you will touch that oven wall or oven door with your arm. And all I can say is get it under a, uh, a, 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 uh, cold, get it under cold water as soon as possible. Just get the temperature down and, uh, then the fun begins. So, uh, so I think I'm lucky in that I didn't go to the hospital, but, uh, I learned my lesson on that one or I didn't until that I'll discover that next time I do it. Well, thank you for the safety tip of the day. <laughs> <laughs> is what is the, uh, pres- prescribed course of action Right after you burn yourself, like, do you put it in a glass of milk and take it to the doctor? <laughs> so or... my wife, my wife explained to me that essentially once you sit, once you've introduced yourself to 475 degrees, uh, it's not that like you're instantly back to normal. So you're still technically cooking. So it's at that point you want to like level it off. So that's why you want to get under a sink and, and basically uh, get the temperature back to normal because if you if you try to go too cold like 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 you want you want to do like cold water you want to do like room right. temperature water sorry because if you do cold water that was a terrible idea um, sorry everyone out there who's in the middle of a yeah. burn that's following my instructions in real time um, but yeah you want to have like normal temperature water because your skin needs to just be acclimated back to its normal levels and uh, I, I guess if if you go completely cold uh, that's probably really bad. <laughs> I wonder if uh, if you could uh, eat yourself at that point, like since your skin has been cooked, like like does that get rid of all the bacteria? Like when you cook food, you're atten- essentially like sanitizing it, and it makes it safe to eat. So I wonder, like immediately after you 
you uh, <laughs> singe your hand at 475 degrees if you can then like eat it like well, a chicken. I don't mean to de-romanticize human um, flesh eating as quickly as this, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it would probably be similar to when you burn the roof of your mouth and there's just that top layer of like, you know, your mouth that's kind of coming off and you, you, you will inevitably swallow that. And it seem to remember it's not, it's not a very pleasant or, or tasteful experience. I, I can't imagine eating your arm or your hand or whatever you've just decided to cook is uh, going to be that different. Um, but you know, there you go. Not, okay. Not, not finger licking good. Is what you're saying. You, you heard it here first. If you burn yourself, don't eat yourself. Yes. Not yes. the proper course of action. I, I, I totally agree. So, uh, in terms of people, uh, getting hurt, that brings us to our movie cliche of the day. Um, <laughs> I transition here. So the movie cliche of the day is wait your turn to kill me in Fighting movies, martial arts movies, when the hero is vastly outnumbered, the bad guys will obligingly only attack one at a time, giving the hero the chance to beat them all in turn. I have noticed that in movies where it seems like when someone is, is getting attacked by a group of people, usually they do it one-on-one, -on -one, which is kind of nice. You know, it's kind of like, you know, hey, that's fair. One at a time, guys. Let's try to, let's give the guy a chance. You know, they don't just usually uh, gang up on him. So, have you noticed that, Drew? Yeah, I mean, my my favorite example, and I think one that's oft uh, referenced in it whenever people are discussing it is the ending of Blade, when Wesley mm. Snipes is fighting all of the uh, the <laughs> vampire henchmen who are all like in relatively <laughs> good shape and mar within martial arts skills, and mm -hmm. uh, they're literally in the background, like like like, but it's not it's not just like they're standing there, like they don't think they're on camera; they're legit like getting hyped, like you can see like. <laughs> two or three of them like like jumping up and down like they're getting pumped they're getting, they're getting so ready for this and so it's so interesting because it's not like anyone was recording it and thinking we're not going to see them so there had to be some kind of creative direction that was set for them like hey guys okay so like this is henchman one and your henchman three and you've been you know sitting around you know this whole time waiting for an opportunity to take down like quote unquote the good guy in front of the bosses and if you jump in and you take down the first, if you try to take down first, like, and you go down first, it's, you're going to set the precedent for everyone else and you're going to be a joke, right? Or worse, you get in there, you script the other guy's move, and then you just got like somebody, you got to watch your back. Like, even if you take down the hero for the remainder of the time you're working for the bad guys, like, you got some guy to gun, gunning for you because he, you tripped him, you know, you tripped him up when he was doing his like finishing move on Wesley Snipes. So I just, I just want to project myself into that moment and like, grab that actor instantly during that scene and go, okay, what's in your mind right now? What are you doing? What are you thinking? Like, what are the consequences if you move quick? What are the consequences if you don't? Like, are you, are you super psyched? Are you pumped? Like, there's just, that. that's the best part is just like that brief moment before they do take their turns and yet they're wholly in character and committed. Well, I've always, I wonder though, if the henchmen beat the hero, do they get promoted? Is it like, you know what I mean? Like, what's, what's the end? What happens then? It's like, the bad guy's like, good job, you beat the hero. I guess, I guess that's it. Uh, you guys want to go for pizza or something? Or you know, what I mean, like, what? What? I want to see that in a movie. Where is it, wait, wait, wait a sec, Jeff. This what? is a script that you wrote. <laughs> is, <laughs> is this, are you like vaguely referencing? Because you My wrote henchman. a movie script about a henchman, and like <laughs> from the right. perspective of, of him, yes, <laughs> what his life is like. That is true. I did. I did years ago write a script about a henchman who. I think I, I, there, it went through many variations, but like I did write a script where 
a henchman uh, breaks out of his his uh, his organization and tries to be like a mercenary. And uh, there was like a lot of fun to have with the with the conventions of action movies. Like he had to work on his aim because he had terrible aim. He uh, he like knew who a hero was. He knew who a bad guy was. Like he would he went into a police station and they couldn't figure out a case. And then a cop walked in and said, "Oh man, what's going on here? I can't stay on the side of blood." And he walks away. And the henchman's like, "I think that's the killer." Like like he was aware of of cliches that were in movies it was kind of like last action hero activation to be fair but i don't know but yeah it was it, this was i always wanted to do a, a, an action scene where the the henchman inadvertently killed the hero and everyone got really really freaked out by what they could do afterward so they had to well, stop the movie like 20 minutes in yeah exactly <laughs> they didn't expect that um so here's our topic who are your top three favorite superheroes and why now, these superheroes don't have to be from comics. They can be from movies, but mostly I think they've come from comics. I wanted you to give some reasons as to why you associate with them so much and why you admire them, that character so much, and, you know, any sort of personal anecdotes you want to share. Um, we can go around Robin here, or we can go start with our third choices and then work our way up to our first choices, any way you'd like. Um, Drew, uh, since you're our guest, why don't you go first? Well, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the most obvious choice imaginable. Okay. Uh, which is Batman, um, uh. but but the problem but the problem is is that my interest in Batman is impossible to parallel to anyone else's because I feel like I'm the only human on the planet that still reads and watches everything of, of the same character. So I feel mm. most people their introduction to that character is a cartoon show or a movie, right. and that's kind of the service ceiling for their interest, even if it's their favorite character. Because um, I don't I want to give everyone else a chance to talk, but. I do feel like it, it can be a bit of a rabbit hole talking about um, the depth of storytelling and genre. And um, you can basically bend that character in almost any direction with any kind of application. You, you know, there's been versions of the character done set during the, the era of um, Jack the Ripper or sci-fi versions from the 1950s. It's kind of very hard to break Batman, which makes it all the more impressive when somebody does make a bad Batman adaptation because it shouldn't be that easy. And uh, honestly, from a comic book fan standpoint, most of the adaptations since the 60s have been almost like Fisher-Price safer consumption versions. Right. Um, I don't know if either of you are comic book readers cool. or comic book aware, but like, I mean, at this yes. point, Batman's fought like Cthulhu's from other dimensions and saved cool. you know the universe through time travel and dimensional travel so many times that you know, to see his origin for the umpteenth time is kind of old hat, really. I think you can, and since you know a lot of Batman stories and lore, you can, I think you can talk about, um, didn't, when he first started out, wasn't it way more violent um, when Batman first came on the scene? Like, he, he'd regularly, I think, killed villains, and he used a gun, I think, at one point, right? Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, that's true. I do believe the gun might have been th that story. I, I can't, I, I don't want to, like, it's been okay. so long since I read that one, but I will say Batman in particular is one of the characters that's easiest to track back to pulp origins. And I'm right, sure yeah. you, you, you both know like pulp heroes are right. Yeah. Like the, sure. Uh, but the remind us. <laughs> yeah. So for the folks at home, um, <laughs> back before uh, comic books became mainstream, there was a hybrid uh, format that was more popular among young youngsters. 
uh, as action adventure. And those were um, more like prose books with illustrations that then began to transition to something closer um, in, in intent, in, in, in tone to what you think of comic books by the thirties and forties. So Batman was a direct adaptation. If you want to be politically correct about it uh, or polite uh, to characters like the shadow or the bat. And um, these characters were far more gruesome and far more brutal and dealing with um, villains who themselves were more murderous and more dangerous. Like char characters today that we take for granted, like how violent the Joker is and, Oh no, he's poisoning the water supply and he's going to kill half of Gotham. It's like for a big chunk of comic book history, the Joker wasn't necessarily that brutal, but if you go back to um, the pulps and the adaptations in, um, you know, radio plays that Orson Welles was famously known for, portraying the shadow on radio serials um, back when, before people had television um, villains could be pretty horrific. And so I feel like in transitioning to a more visual medium um, in the sense of illustrated panels, and they were maybe even to some degree making it more accessible for younger readers, um, whether it was their original intention or, you know, mainstream influencing them. And then like the comics code authority coming down on them, comics became a lot more, a lot friendlier and a lot softer than I think we as a mainstream culture uh, associate with today or people in the twenties would have associated with the pulps. So Batman in that early version was more akin to you'd more likely see a character like Superman allow a, a, a criminal to die or cause the death of a criminal. And then very quickly, I would say within the first decade, maybe the first five years, I, I don't want to claim I remember the exact dates. Um, those characters became more friendly and people that parents would feel it was okay to associate with their kids entertainment. So, but Batman, to your point, to your point has held a bit more of that darkness. I think a, a bit more on his sleeve since the beginning. And even in the, the friendlier days, you, you can't get away from the fact that he's a guy designed to scare people. That's why he wears the outfit. So um, that in and of itself, it's, it is an appeal. Right. Yeah. Does, no, uh, I, sorry. Does Batman have a uh, superpowers? Is that a no. weird question? I would nope. say I would say Batman has a superpower similar to how I think comic book writers would describe Captain America as a superpower, which is he's usually right. Ah. So it, it's I think I think that I have I some coworkers that have that superpower <laughs> claim to. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, again, I want to, this is too much of a, a diatribe, but I mean, that's that's one of the dangers of superheroes as iconic inspirational cultures that it's, if you believe that you're right all the time, it's a, it's not that many steps until you reach like, you know, similar to fascist ideals. So you always got to be really careful as a creative to make sure that these are human characters and that they're weighing the moral compass and what's best for everyone. And, 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 and I think that's one of the reasons why to Jeff's point, we're more familiar with Batman doing everything he can not to murder his villains and to bring them to justice and to give them an opportunity to reform and, and Arkham Asylum, I think as much as its roots kind of go back to that, weirder genre of like Lovecraft that I was referencing earlier. Um, I think that the reason we as a culture grasp onto Batman and a concept like Arkham Asylum so easily is we're always, even if subconsciously wrestling with our own internal morality and intellectual arguments about 
taking care of the mentally ill who pose a threat and how it's such a complicated and contradictory stance with all of the things that can and may happen, but you want to always go for the best option to help people rather than hurt them. And that's why I think these characters have stood the test of time is they haven't completely fallen into just brutality and uh, murder. Wow. Powerful stuff. All right. Well, Roy, I, I, I want to say really quick, I'm spending way more time talking about <laughs> this stuff in depth than I meant to. Uh, sorry about that. No, I, I, I'm glad you are because I really wanted to know your opinion on it. And you'll be interested to know my choices when I get to them. But uh, it's just funny. Like, I'll tell you why it's funny in a minute when you get to mine. But anyway, uh, Roy, why don't you go next? So I, uh, I always liked the, uh, the sexual tension between uh, Batman and Catwoman in the uh, 1960s uh, series. Uh, I liked that too, yeah. I mean, and they had several Bat- um, Catwoman, I believe. They had Eartha Kitt, and they had Julie Newmar. And, yeah, and, they had, uh, and he was uh, seducing all of them. Yeah, he was a ladies' man for sure. You know. He was. I've read some things about the set <laughs> of that show. Yeah, it's, that's quite a comic book in and of itself. Uh, what what What's, went on backstage? All right, that is interesting. So, who is your who is your superhero uh, for number three, Roy? Me. Okay. So, full disclosure and being honest, uh, I don't like superhero movies or comics. So, so this what? topic is right up my alley. Um, but in the interest of, um, you know, giving this topic the, uh, the gravity that, that it deserves, uh, I, I picked three superheroes that, that I do uh, appreciate, uh, but, but they are not conventional. And, and I would be shocked if you had any of these on your list. But, but I, I consider them superheroes. So Please. in that vein, my number three choice is uh, Bruce Willis in Unbreakable. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I actually, I, know that I forgot yeah, his name. David, <laughs> uh, I don't know. David Dunn. David Dunn. Okay. Yeah, yeah sounds right. <laughs> uh, no, I that works. Bruce Willis. Uh, but he's certainly a superhero <laughs> in that movie. Uh, spoiler alert, but uh, it turns out that he's unbreakable. I guess it's not a spoiler because it's in the title of the movie. In the trailer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he's unbreakable, although his character himself doesn't actually realize it until like three quarters through the movie. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I, I really like this movie and his character. Uh, I like that he's really not a superhero in the traditional sense. He's just, he lives his life as a dad, like taking care of his wife and kid. And he just leads a normal life and he works as a security guard. Uh, and then he kind of, at the end, reluctantly uses his superpowers like one time to, to, to kill one evildoer. But, but otherwise, he's just like, otherwise the movie is about like a security guard raising his family, uh, which uh, I actually liked that aspect of the movie um, and, and was surprised like three quarters in to realize, oh, oh he is a superhero. Um, uh, I have to ask you a question. Yeah. Have you ever read old, like 1960s Stanley comics, Marvel comics? Uh, I guess not. No. Um, I don't know if anyone ever told you before, but that movie is kind of a, uh, it's kind of like a M night Shyamalan crystallized 
the exact Stanley formula from the 1960s, which is a guy is just a normal dude. He's got weaknesses. He has a family. He's got, you know, job responsibilities and family responsibilities that are really the main crux of the character's story. And the fact that he's a hero is actually a one of reluctance and, and potentially moral obligation, less so than, oh boy, I'm dressing up in my underwear and beating people up now. And uh, his characters, which was by his own admission, I think a way to remember them easier so that he wouldn't lose track of what their names were. He would always n- give them uh, first and last names that start with the same consonant. Hence, oh. David Dunn. Wow. So that's actually more like a throwback to, to the mm-hmm. traditional for- formula. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. So I, I really do like the comic book genre <laughs> after all. Um, that's go, interesting man. to learn. I, would, I think I would prefer if more comic book movies were, were of that vein, like Unbreakable, as opposed to the, like the Avengers movies that have been coming out that I, that I really have a hard time relating to. Um, cause it just seems so detached from, from real life. Um, but yeah, that was my number three choice was Bruce Willis. I like the movie cause it doesn't seem like a typical comic book movie. I like the dialogue. I do find comic book dialogue tends to be very comic booky. Uh, mm. I think there's a line in the first Spider-Man where Green Goblin says like, time for you to die. And, and that's the point where I like check out from the movie um because i i just <laughs> it's just hard to, to take it seriously after that uh but when there's a movie like unbreakable that that's kind of playing it straight um th- then i can get more wrapped up in the character i actually the, the recent joker movie kind of played it straight in a similar way and i enjoyed that one as well um but yeah that's why i like uh david dunn in unbreakable another another bit of trivia about the movie that um, both of you may or may not know uh, the split film, which was, you know, billed as a retroactive sequel. Once you know, the twist spoiler alert, everyone um, split is more or less an expansion of all the deleted scenes from the first movie, because the, the main character of split was actually the third major character that you were going to be jumping back and forth through uh, with during unbreakable. So you mentioned earlier, the guy that David takes down at the end of the movie, that, that it's a build up to him saving the day by bringing this one guy down. Well, if you recall that character, I think he like took over somebody's house and was doing horrible things to this family. Uh, But he's introduced very briefly and he's kind of dispatched pretty quickly. Uh, Originally that was James McAvoy's character and you were going to jump back and forth between all three of them. And the whole thing was about bringing them all together. And so split was M night taking basically like all of this older material and building into a separate feature which makes what Jeff told me about glass and all my other friends told me about glass that I've not watched all the more frustrating and disappointing that it doesn't really build to something, but you'd probably be fine if you see that movie. But like Jeff said, it's okay. It's a, it's a little, <laughs> a little messy, a little problematic. Yeah. Anyway, for M night Shyamalan is uh here's a bit of trivia. He's uh, a big Philadelphia 76ers fan. Uh, <laughs> I know this because I was watching a Miami Heat game once and on the TV in the crowd, I saw M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, no way. And I'm like, that's weird. And then I looked it up and it turns out he's like a, a regular at Sixers games, uh, which is amusing to me to think that somebody who writes like ghost stories and alien movies uh, 
likes to catch the round ball. So or or the M. Night twist that you haven't figured out yet is that he is just doing his Hitchcockian cameo in the movie that you're in. <laughs> and you've yet, it is yet to be revealed, but horror waits for you. There you go. Third act of your story. Yeah. Yeah. That actually makes more sense now that I think of why would he be into the Sixers? They're not even that good. Yeah. Well, speaking of Knight as an M. Night Shyamalan, my, my third pick for superhero is Night Crawler. Uh, I'm so bad at this. Anyway, um, Nightcrawler, <laughs> Nightcrawler is one of my uh, favorite uh, superheroes. Um, I like the design of his character. I love the fact that he dealt with uh, being ashamed about his appearance, but he wanted to do the right thing. And, you know, he was um, just misunderstood. Um, I like the performance that Alan Cumming did in X-Men 2. I thought his performance of that character was brilliant. I wish I could have seen another movie. Uh, with him in it, and I always like the idea that uh, the character, who, for those who don't know, uh, Kurt Wag- Wagner, uh, who, who's the uh, alter ego of Nightcrawler, was able to go through. Uh, uh, he was a teleport, and he would go through another dimension as as a way of getting from one point to another. And I always loved that idea that he was that that was his main power that he could do that, and that he was he was able to get from point A to point B and. He had to be very careful where he teleported because he get stuck in a wall. You know, he could he would have to be very careful about knowing what was on the other side because it could hurt him. And he could teleport other people with him. And I thought that was a very cool uh, concept. And that was when I first started getting into like what what abilities would be cool to have. Um, I had friends who collected X Men cards, and they would always show like their abilities and weaknesses. And he was his artwork I thought was always. Um, very interesting uh, artwork. I believe his original artwork, and maybe Drew can correct me if he if he knows. David Cockrum, I believe, was one of the original, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So I just thought that was pretty cool. Um, so that's one of the characters I always thought was interesting. And you know, I didn't really, I I didn't really read X Men comics too much. I'd only had, a, uh, I didn't, I'd only knew the character. And then when I saw him, of course, in X Men, of, of course, I saw him in the the cartoon. Sega game and in the uh, the movie. And the Sega game was pretty good because you could get through the level pretty quickly if you just used his power. You could just teleport through the whole level. Um, I don't know if you ever played that game, Drew or Roy. For Sega, no, I played the arcade game. He was in the arcade game, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah, in the arcade game, I believe his special move was just like he would turn, like he would just go around the screen and like you know destroy the bad guys in like one shot. Yeah. But, but it, yeah. I was just going to say, I think that was the best move in that whole game because basically <laughs> you would just activate that hit literally everything in the entire screen. <laughs> so I think I played that character a lot. But what's good about you know, playing in this in the Sega game, though, you could just you didn't have to get the key for the door. You could just like teleport to the next room and you'd be done. You know what I mean? Like you just you could just basically it was a good power to have in a game that had walls in front of you. You know what I mean? So he's so. your he's your third favorite character because he allows you to cheat at video games. <laughs> anyway, so that was my uh, also completely unrelated but somewhat related. The movie Nightcrawler, unrelated to this comic book character, is a great movie, and I think you all should check it out. I so. thought that's who you were going to talk about as your superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I would have I would have supported that one hundred percent. You guys have anything to recommend this week? Uh, it's kind of a combo: older recommendation, but also newer edition. Um, uh, I don't know if either of you, I think Jeff, you and I talked about it, but a uh, danger five, Oh yeah, uh, which is sure. a uh, cult, cult, cult uh, 
oddly government co-produced television series. The government is much more about the arts, I guess, in Australia than here. Um, not shockingly, uh, they produced a Thunderbirds are go in like World War II espionage series inspired like absurdist comedy. Uh, and then the first season I want to say was like in the early 2010s. And then the second season was maybe like the mid 2010s. I could be off on my dates here, but, uh, the second season was the entire, they just without explanation moved the premise of the show and all the action heroes to like the eighties. And it was like a very Shane black inspired Christmas where (laughs) every episode, it just had the littlest bit of connection to reality. And by the end, I think there was like mighty more from power Rangers in the future ruled by Hitler and dino robot people. I don't know. It was, it's nuts, but um, it's one of the funniest and most imaginative shows I've ever seen in my life. It's easily in my top three shows I've ever seen. Um, and they just renewed the show for a third season after being down for a really long time, audio only like this podcast. Uh, and so the third season is a audio only edition on, I believe it's only on audible right now as an audible exclusive. And uh, I can't remember what the specific name is for the audible version, but you'll know if you look up danger five on audible, it should be the only thing that pops up. I wouldn't go directly to the audible season. I would start with the first two seasons, which I believe are on a region free Blu-ray, which is pretty expensive. And if you don't want to deal with that shout TV, which I think might have an internet component shout factory, the home video company, I think they're airing it at certain times of the day. Uh, If you check the schedule, um, you might find it on YouTube actually believe it or not uploaded from australia any way you can get the show i beg of you to check it out it's awesome and then once you finish those two seasons please check out the audible um season thanks for listening to part one of our superheroes discussion tune in next week for part two of coast to coast to coast talking about the greatest superheroes of all time we'll talk to you all next week